It's time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show with Phil Mullinax and J.C. Sherbert. So how many of you would say you speak English fairly well, but with some difficulty? Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. You play to win the game. Now, let's take it away, J.C. and Phil. It's the Inside the Gamecocks, the show, the... The Inside the Gamecocks the Show. Inside the Gamecocks the Show. I'm J.C. Sherbert. He's Phil Molinax. Happy Thursday, everyone. Hope all of you are doing well out there. We have Michael Flint, former Gamecock wide receiver, coming up at the bottom of this hour to talk a little preseason football. Uh, recruiting is in the air. Uh, hopefully, this will be the last time we talk about Xavier McLeod. <laughs> Other than to break down his commitment, yeah, that's right. Um, right. Hopefully, he's got and, a hot video for us. To so, so we'll have the the final word on on X X XMC. I guess uh, <laughs> we'll give him a cute little uh, acronym nickname or whatever. Is that, <laughs> is that an acronym? I, I don't know. I'm an idiot. Oh, I got a I got a PM about my grammar oh. uh, uh, the other day about saying Phil and I versus Phil and me in certain. Uh, you know, when I post on the message board, I agree my grammar is not that good. But, uh, you know, uh, this person was very insulting. It was like, uh, I, I hate it for when sports guys do this, especially those that, you know, may or may not have passed English 101. Uh, of yeah. course, I made, you know, pretty much passed. I think I tested out of English 101 and passed 102 with flying colors. Uh, I'm a I'm an award winning writer, right? <laughs> it's only uh, your trade, right? When I was in the, I got a newspaper business. Let's see, APSE, Associated Press, Georgia Press Association. Man, they all kind of thought I was a pretty good writer. So uh, uh, there you go with that. You, you kind of sound like some of my loser high school English teachers. Uh, and and by the way, at the high school I went to, I, I didn't have a single good English teacher, and I always feel like writing them a note and saying, "Hey." You remember when you graded me and gave me gave me a deal in this paper? Well, it wasn't because I couldn't write; it's because you're an idiot. Yeah, that's right. um, anyway, I, I guess under my skin. But I, but hey, we're gonna talk about positive things. Positive things today. Uh, I'm a little squirrely today, so I got a little uh, I got a little juice in me. I'm feeling better, Phil, because after being under the weather for two or three days, uh, I woke mm-hmm. up at three o'clock this morning, <laughs> ready to rock and roll and seize the day. That's right. Uh, Carpe so I, I definitely seized the day uh, today. I saw that. Um, spur notes up and everything for the VIPs yeah, on 24-7. That's got yeah, I got a little spur notes going. Too. Mm-hmm. So um, there we go. There we go uh, on that. And obviously, we can't give away the farm on nope. that. But uh, I put some of the stuff that Jamie uh, Bradford discussed yesterday in there. Uh, I did want to point out these stats, though, uh, Phil. If the Gamecocks get Xavier McLeod, right, uh, and, and all the crap that's happened to this program the last four or five years, which a lot of it's crap. I mean, in, in 28, 2019, nobody saw the loss to North Carolina coming. Nobody saw Jake Bentley getting hurt. Uh, in, in the COVID year, I don't think anybody thought the defense would collapse uh, or a 2-8 and eight record. So I, I – uh, I think that, uh, you know, I think it's one of those things where, you know, nobody, nobody saw starting in 2014 that Clemson was going to become a national power, and that that's hurts. Uh, nobody thought that Georgia would end up getting uh, a national championship again. Uh, and this, this fan base has been through a lot, so a lot of crap, right? 
Well, here's some positive things that, that have carried over. Okay. Uh, yeah. Since the 2019 recruiting class, there have been eight players from the state of South Carolina rated four stars or higher at defensive line. South Carolina, if they get McLeod and he signs, will have landed six of them. The two that they did not, and I'll go through it. Zach Pickens in, in 2019 was a five-star from T. O'Hanna, beat Georgia and Clemson on him. In 2020, beat Jordan. Uh, they got Jordan Birch and Alex Huntley, a five and a four star from Hammond. They beat Georgia, LSU, Clemson on one. Beat Oklahoma and a bunch of schools on the other. Taka Hemingway from Conway. They beat North Carolina on. Uh, in 2022, there wasn't anybody <laughs> on the defensive line. Uh, rated four stars or higher. They did get Demetrius Watson out of uh, Fort Dorchester. Uh, but in 2023, there's two. There's Montague Reigns from Sumter. They beat NC State and a host of others. I say they beat NC State because I believe NC State was number two. He had a lot of good offers in addition to the Wolfpack and Gamecocks. And then if they, they get McLeod, they beat Georgia head-to-head on them. Uh, the two they did lose were in 2021, that recruiting cycle, which was weird and weirder, uh, not only for the Gamecocks because they had a coaching transition, but because of COVID, no official visits. and uh, Kids just signed in that class sight unseen. You know, it was like getting married to someone you meet on Tinder. That's right. Yeah. Married without without seeing yeah. them. Without <laughs> seeing them. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah. Woo. Baby, we're going to the chapel. And, whoa. Whoa. Wait a minute. Yeah. I mean, like this one kid that signed with A&M, like he got there and he's like, man, I didn't even realize it was here in this place. Uh, and so uh, he left like after a week, you know, after signing sight unseen. So a lot of these guys did sight unseen. Uh, Tyrion Ingram Dawkins signed with Georgia. Uh, Justice Boone from Sumter signed with uh, Florida. Uh, the jury's still out on those guys. Uh, just like at South Carolina, they got two three-star guys, T.J. Sanders and Nick Barrett, uh, at defense on the defensive line, uh, who they're really fired up about. I mean, they're fired up about those guys. So we'll see who ends up with the better deal there. I mean, and I'm not saying that uh, another school's like three-star players in the class of 2020 won't end up being better than Birch, Huntley, and Hemingway. I don't think that's likely, but uh, uh, there there could be a, a combo out there. But, uh, you know, this is a trend. South Carolina, uh, back when the program was just, you know, praying and hoping to get to the CarQuest Bowl, uh, they used to call it the CarJack Bowl. The CarJack Bowl, um, yeah. Because that was the only bowl win for a while, Phil. Uh, you know, you had Sean Ellis leaving for Tennessee. Uh, you had a, a, bl- a couple of blunders where Vonnie Holiday went to North Carolina. Richard Seymour didn't even get an offer and went to Georgia. Uh, you, you constantly were losing guys on the defensive line, even all the way up through Spurrier with a guy like Carlos Dunlap. Now, I think it's safe to say that during the time Dunlap was at Florida, South Carolina's defensive line was just fine. Right. But – uh, at the end of the day, uh, you know, it, 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 you, you don't want to lose too many of those guys is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you lose them to Clemson. That's right now. You know, what are you going to do? I mean, they're a national power until they're not a national power. Uh, kids in the state are going to kind of look at the offer from them as sort of a badge of honor. But I'll remind you on the defensive line, uh, Clemson offered Jordan Birch. Clemson offered Zach Pickens. Got zero. Got none of them. Um, you know, so 
uh, I think that's a very positive sign. And I think the the one thing, you know, the, the two it, – it's kind of a weird thing, Phil, because the two positions within the state, I think, defensive line and wide receiver, you know, you should be able to get your share uh, every mm-hmm. single cycle. For some reason right now, this is another one of those, like, when we talk about crap that happens. <laughs> mm-hmm. or for some reason right now, uh, the receiving receivers, I mean, you had the two last year that ended up going to Clemson and Williams and, and Randall. Uh, there's nobody really in this class. You know, Horton was a take in the last class from the state. Uh, I think Carolina's got some pretty good walk-on receivers. Peyton Mangrum, who got put on scholarship yeah, from East Side's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Eric Rice from AC Floor is a good player. Ben Rollins from Chapman's a good player. Uh, DJ Black, who's coming in from Chapman, keep an eye on that guy. Um but there's just not that, you know, they passed on, on, on most receivers in state. There's not a plethora of them. Now that changes next year with Mazio Bennett from Greenville High. Uh, but defensive line, you should be able to find in, in the Carolinas, South Carolina, North Carolina, uh, especially South Carolina, every single cycle. And so that's a starting point. That's a positive uh, if they get McLeod today. Uh, he announces at 6.30 p.m., uh, 100% of the 24-7 sports crystal balls point toward the Gamecocks. Uh, I'm proud to say Hale McGranahan and I have had ours on uh, the Gamecocks from McLeod since July 30th of 2021. So <laughs> <laughs> it's been quite a while since we've had that old ball out there, chap, I say, <laughs> I say. Um, and so we'll see what happens, you know, as far as what the Gamecocks will be getting if, if they does end up that way, barring an 11th hour change of heart. A uh, 320-pound guy that moves good. Uh, mm-hmm. Got to coach him up. He's not going to be Jadevian Clowney, you know, coming in there and, and, and starting <laughs> right away. But uh, uh, Xavier can get there. And then you combine it with Montague Rames. Uh, that's a heck of a defensive line haul in the state once again uh, for the Gamecocks. So they deserve a, a lot of credit for that. But I wanted to put out point out those stats because, you know, right now the Gamecocks, uh, you know, are landing – major blue chip defensive line prospects from within the state at a 75% clip the last five cycles. Uh, that's compared to where this program was when it joined the SEC, Phil. Oh, yeah. That's that's yeah. great. That's unprecedented. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think we all know that there's good defensive linemen that come out of the state, uh, and that's an important spot. So uh, that's a good deal. That's a good deal there. Um so anyway, tune in 24-7 Sports YouTube page. We'll probably, if I think about it, tweet it. But uh, it's 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 easy. It's, it's youtube.com slash 24-7 sports. And they'll have it right there. Uh, don't forget, the Nana's Porch chat box is always wide open. We have a lot of people talking. It's on fire um, this morning. Yeah, it's woo, rocking and rolling. Um, and we're going to get to that here in a second. Uh, Michael Flynn, of course, at the bottom of the hour, you can interact with Michael. Uh, we got the iHelp Consulting mailbag coming up. Uh, by the way, hour number one is brought to you by Cindy Searfoss, realtor, Colwell Baker Kane. Housing market's slowing down a little bit. That may mean it's time to buy or sell, mm-hmm. especially buy. Give Cindy a call. She's in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue, uh, right there. So that's the good deal there with recruiting. Uh, I wanted to also mention, because my good friend Hale put in a uh, crystal ball prediction for Desmond Umiazulu, the four-star guy. This guy was done for Ohio State. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, man. 
I'm not all the way healed, folks. Uh, heal, <laughs> heal thyself, <laughs> physician. Uh, at one point, he was Ohio State bound. Something happened on his visit. He did not like. This is why you recruit guys and you don't just give up. Yeah. Too, I see too many coaches give up, right? And so uh, they didn't give up. Ohio State pissed him off. And right now, with 11 days left before he announces, looks like the Gamecocks. Now, let's not kid ourselves. 11 days is an eternity. It is. Yes. Especially for a kid from D.C. Uh, you never know. I mean, you know, Maryland always is lurking in situations yeah. like this. You know, as we found out last year with Jay Sean Barham. Oh, yeah. um, and so that crystal ball is out there uh, with that uh, as well. Practice is going on as we speak. Um, I'll go through like the injury stuff uh, here in a little bit. All the coordinators are supposed to talk today. Uh, so we'll get to hear. Um, like uh, we'll hear from Marcus Satterfield, Clayton White, and Pete Limbo. Pete Limbo. Uh, so I'll get to the Nana Sports chat box here in a second, but I'll I'll just say this: Phil, the Yankees have put together quite a package, <laughs> and I've taken over our college football, our college football network, and our viewership and. They just have too many resources. They're outflanking us. The Yankees are in terror. The Yankees are in terror. <laughs> That's right, folks. The Big Ten. The big. The B.I.G. Mm. The notorious B.I.G. Yeah. Uh, rubbing it in our faces, keeping the same treatments and oh, uh, songs and opening. I'll yeah. never get used yeah. to da, 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 being... Uh, welcome to, to uh, <laughs> Minneapolis. Yeah. <laughs> times like that, I wish Clemson would join the Big Ten. See my, <laughs> my handful of Clemson buddies, I'd have to go by like uh, up here. You have a brand uh, uh, for the folks that like work with their hands outside up here in this uh, frozen tundra called Cardhart. Uh, Card I don't know if you have a Cardhart. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. uh, and then you get this big orange card heart. Coat. They're going to be swinging by these places up here called like Menards, like on their way. Like, man, this big old orange coat. God bless America. There's a $2 bill. <laughs> We're going to Minneapolis. It was always my dream, Phil, uh, back in the when they first announced the playoff, that because uh, uh, they were talking about putting the championship game in Minneapolis. Now, thank God they would have played that where the Vikings play, which is in a dome. Uh, the right. Golden Gophers, uh, all my Clemson lurkers that are sitting there listening to this show, uh, mm -hmm. just waiting for something to pounce on. Just letting you know, if you guys do end up in the Big Ten, uh, Minnesota has an outdoor stadium. <laughs> Be prepared. Oh, now, yeah. they don't play in the Metrodome anymore. The Metrodome's yeah. kablooey. It's gone mm -hmm. by, and they don't play where the Vikings play. It is an outdoor stadium. So, uh, good luck. <laughs> you, you get that November trip to Minneapolis. <laughs> the, good, the good news for you guys is they do make, you know, workers jackets and stuff in orange uh, so people can see them on the side of the road. not running. And so that's uh, so so you'll have plenty of options. You will be uh, spotted on TV. Game. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But but anyway, so so the Big Ten, this is a mega deal. Um, uh, seven billion for seven years. Could go up to as high as 10. There's an escalator clause. Reports say they're not finished expanding yet, uh, which is why I mentioned that. Um, and, and look, I've, I've read some comments. I think it's uh, 
when you have NBC, Fox, and CBS all working towards something, they're going to be able to put something really cool together. Plus the Big Ten Network and all that. Uh, and I've seen a lot of comments. Well, why would anybody want to watch Big Ten football? Well, honestly, people up here in Big Ten country probably like watching SEC football better, to be honest. Uh, but but he, here's the logic behind it. Okay. The Big Ten, first and foremost, three largest media markets in the country are what? L.A., New York, Chicago. Chicago. Mm-hmm. And it encompasses them all. Also, markets like D.C. and Baltimore. Also, markets like Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Indianapolis, Minneapolis. Uh, really, you know, because of the popularity of UCLA and Southern Cal, I'm not so sure that the Bay Area isn't a market uh, for the Big Ten now, you know, an in-market area. So, um, you know, and when you also every school now, I'm not talking about the the two Pac-12 newcomers, uh, but just about every school in that league, including Rutgers, which is the State University of New Jersey, and Maryland, which is the State University of Maryland, large, mostly land-grant, not all, mostly land-grant, huge, gigantic, 50,000, 60,000 student schools with millions of alums spread all over the country. And they all love football, with the exception of maybe Northwestern. And really, you know, Northwestern went to the Rose Bowl and Citrus Bowl back to back in the 90s, and there was a sea of purple. purple. Yeah, you'd think they'd care more, but. <laughs> yeah, they, 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 they do. It's, it's tough. They're, they're not a, we're not a very big school at Northwestern. Uh, but uh, yeah, boy, I could I could do a whole podcast on the city of Evanston alone, but I, I won't digress. Um, <laughs> that's why there's value in that. You know, they don't. I, I, I think if the football were just like rock throwing contests, which some of them are, and just awful, you know, I don't think any of the networks would pay up. But it's not about that. It's about eyeballs, markets, advertising dollars. Uh, they are in networks are in business to make money. Right. That's the bottom line. Um, and so that's the deal there. Now, will the SEC now? OK, so so here's the, the deal, too. I've read where people have it completely wrong with the SEC. Right. Um, they're saying the SEC's new deal is only worth three hundred million. That's not true. Uh, that's only for the CBS portion, the game of the week that Disney and ESPN are playing. That doesn't count. For the regular ESPN tiered package, that doesn't count for streaming. That doesn't count for the SEC network. Uh, all that revenue is added in. So, okay. So, seven years, seven billion for the Big Ten. Do I think the SEC will get close to that? Absolutely, especially with Texas and Oklahoma, because you're also dealing with very large TV markets and lots of interest there too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also think what this does is. It puts Pac-12 and Big 12 squarely in ESPN's crosshairs. And, you know, the Big 12 kind of showed its butt uh, about ESPN. And they're the ones that took Texas and Oklahoma away from us. Yeah, that's right. Well, and now, now they're going to get a pretty good TV deal, I think, because ESPN, it, after giving up the Big 10, which is a coast-to-coast conference now and could get larger, they're not going to want the ACC and Big 12 and Pac-12 uh, to fall by the wayside, they need programming, and right. so mm-hmm. if you're the Pac-12, I think you're kind of happy because uh, the worldwide leader and the mouse, they're going to get behind you, and so <laughs> that's the deal there. But yeah, I was just like, 
you know, because it's going to start becoming, Phil, <laughs> with these two uh, conferences, north, north versus south, basically. Um, <laughs> and, and not to, you know, and, 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 and so I just kind of thought, well, the Yankees now, now <laughs> the industrial might is outflanking <laughs> us with resources. That's right. But, you know, or something like that. But anyway. Uh, Nana's Sports chat line. We're going to get through some of this. Then we got Michael Flint coming up, and we'll, of course, talk more about that. Recruiting. Uh, the poll question is up, and it's simple for today. After my inspiring spur notes, I figured I'd ask this. Over or under for Gamecock total wins, including the bowl, or hypothetical bowl this year, seven and a half. Now, that's not the Vegas line. No. But I think Vegas, Vegas is five and a half or six. I think, I think it bumped up to six or six now, and a half even, yeah. That's the J.C. Sherbert Resort Hotel and Casino, uh, Sherb Nation Resort <laughs> and Casino. Uh, when I win the lottery, I'm moving out there and doing it. I'm going to be like the guy from Casino. Yeah, do you know the only, only movie character that had the last name Sherbert was in Casino? Really? Billy yeah, Sherbert. Really. Billy yeah. Sherbert, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it's, uh, it's, it wasn't a very strong character, uh, but uh, <laughs> Billy Sherbert was a uh, – De Niro's casino manager. Uh, kind of a toady looking guy. All right, Sean says, do you think Will Muschamp and T-Rob made a mistake by playing Jam at DB? And do you think he would have stayed under Beamer if he was on offense? I don't think he would have stayed. Uh, I do think – my understanding was they taught him about offense because when they first signed him, uh, one of the analysts told me that he said, that guy's a ball handler. I called him a ball handler like in basketball. Uh, not a DB. My understanding was Jam wanted to stay at DB, but uh, that's uh, a good spot for him. Uh, John says two huge crystal balls this morning. Yes, I know. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian says, Did anyone else think Mark Stoops look like, looks like Kathy Bates? <laughs> I mean, you're not like, wrong, Brian. I mean, no. <laughs> like, 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 are we talking like misery Kathy Bates, or are we talking <laughs> – like uh, primary colors, Kathy Bates, or are we talking uh, maybe a little bit? Maybe a little bit. Yeah. Uh, we should bit. not insult Kathy Bates like that. I love Kathy Bates. Clint said McLeod and Umi Azulu will be massive. This has the potential to be the best D line class we've ever signed. Daddy O says, What up, guys? Daddy O says, Vocabulary Karens. Yeah, you got to hate them. Grammar Police. Kells, Kells <laughs> chimes in. Yeah. Kel, Kels knows me a little bit, so I, I, I'm pretty sure in her mind she can think of like what I really would say if we weren't on the air. <laughs> <laughs> it would involve a few f bombs, right? That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ken, look at Ken. Look at Ken. Go Gamecocks from Uwakuni, Japan. Uwakuni. Is that what I say? Uwakuni? I don't know. I I can't speak Japanese, uh, and I don't want to insult my Thai fiance by asking her about Japanese. That'd be the ultimate South Carolina. Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> Can I'm hey, well, come here and interpret this Japanese for me. All you I'm, Asians are the same. I'm, 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 from, I'm from Thailand. Oh, it's all the same thing. Yeah. Uh, Clint says, How close are you to entering a crystal ball for Desmond? I'm gonna send this one out, uh, and I'll tell you why. Uh, I sat one out last cycle, I think it was Braden Davis, uh, and the Gamecocks. So, I'm, uh, this is my one. I'm gonna, gonna do it. Uh, gonna sit this one out. Craig says Ohio State's going to be tough to beat, but I think we can. I, look, I, I would that they, that's where he was going. But when a school messes it up beyond repair and then acts like they don't care, yeah, I mean, it's not going there, brother. 
I don't think he was the only recruit that had that experience up there either, Jason. No, yeah. Well, I mean, and, and look, in fairness to Ohio State, that that happens when you're recruiting the best players in the country. I, kids have gone to Clemson and felt unloved, and, and, and sometimes it's a good way to weed guys out. Now, uh, based on what I've heard about the Desmond situation, it wasn't like the kid was selfish. There's just a, like a baseline – of like understanding when you go on a visit and you're a priority player and those baseline standards were not being met. I talk about that when I talk about coaches that need to be fired or your baseline standards being met. Mm-hmm. Joey Sox, JC and Phil listening from everyone's favorite place the last few days, Lexington, Kentucky. Oh, been a fun few days up here. Love the show. I'm a mailman up here and it definitely gets me through the day. Thanks, Joey Sox. And uh, I'm going to be in Lexington for the Kentucky game. Uh, Clint says he was never all that enthralled with Justice Boone. Hey, you're not alone on that. We'll see how his career turns out at Florida. Uh, Will Will goes, it's here in the CBS college football theme this morning with Big Ten highlights. Just felt wrong. It did. It hurt my heart. Yeah. I mean, it did. I mean, seriously. That's why I came up up with that whole, you know, gone with the wind thing. The Yankees are stealing our – they're not only (laughs) stole our – our resources, they're stealing our songs. <laughs> they're stealing our music. The very the very music we live life to. Brandon says, does offense being inconsistent last year hurt us in the game with some elite receivers? I have all the confidence in step, but I feel like that is hurting his chances on the trail. Nah, not at all. Uh, and, and look, man, I'm going to point this out to some people that like, and look, there's a theory that maybe that was the case. Uh, I think every situation is different. I'll point out, if you are a portal player, okay, and you put up numbers like Juice Wells and Corey Rucker, okay, um, and you have the offers from different schools that those guys did, because they didn't just like, oh, South Carolina's the SEC, it's only SEC school doing that. No, Wells had Texas, North Carolina, Florida, LSU, same with Rucker. Um, those guys aren't going to come if there's an issue there. Uh, I think with step at number one, uh, with high school guys, uh, number one, it's been the state hadn't had anybody uh, that he could get. Unfortunately, he didn't get Antonio Williams. Um, number two, uh, and that's kind of where Carolina's best receivers come from. Uh, and then number two, I mean, you know, Noah Rogers from Raleigh, North Carolina would be a guy that, under some circumstances, South Carolina and Clemson both will be in. But guess what kind of NL, NIL money he followed to Ohio State. <laughs> so that, that's a problem, too, with some of those big-time receivers. Um, Brian says, J.C. and Phil, I read this morning in Spur Notes, this football staff is confident that the team is much better than the pundits think. What do you think is behind this confidence? Well, Brian, uh, I think that it's probably because they watch from practice more than we do. Yeah, they know a little more. Yeah. Uh, Brian says, definitely misery. (laughs) 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 You know, Uh, Tyler also, Tyler Apolloni. That's a hell hell of an Italian name, Tyler Apolloni. Apolloni. (laughs) JC, I travel to Chicago every couple of months for work. Is there a city in America that's more Jekyll and Hyde? Awesome city in the summer. Absolutely terrible in the late fall, winter, and spring. The spring sucks worse. It, it's the cruelest ever because, like, down south, man, February, we have February days. We can 
65 degrees, play golf. I know Phil likes to sit on the porch like I do and have a yep. few ice cold ones. Oh, yeah. Um, listen to some music. Yeah. Uh, you know, March, I mean, if it's cold much past the first round of the NCAA tournament, something's wrong. You have that one <laughs> week. You have that one week down south in March where it snows, and that's it. Then it's over. Up here, it's like April 15th. I mean, I almost lost my mind during the pandemic. And I'll, I'll tell that story because we got to get to a break and get uh-huh. Flynn in here. Uh, remind me, when we come back, put, put Tyler's uh, – uh, post back up when we get back, Phil, All right. from uh, the second hour, because I'm going to tell that story. How I almost lost my mind uh, during the pandemic, my first winter here in uh, the windy city, which it's, it's not even that windy most of the time. Anyway, we'll be back with Michael Flint, Gamecock wide receiver, after these messages. Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a- If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are, Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a die-hard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271 or email ccearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Cindy Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. 
Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at Taylor at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar is spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email is on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. All right, we are back. Welcome back. Everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. And uh, bringing in Flint. Loading Michael Flint. Although I think we might be able to hear you, Michael. Can, can we hear? Can you hear us? Flint, where are you, Flint? Hello. The circle is spinning. He is. Uh, he's muted now. Yeah. Um. I'm playing All right, so so while we're getting him back in, uh, it's probably some internet connection somewhere. Um, wanted to tell you uh, about Chicago, and I almost lost my mind. All right, so move up here, right? Uh, happy to to move up here. Plan on going back and forth uh, to South Carolina, uh, rocking and rolling. Um, everything was uh, hunky dory. Then it snowed on Halloween. And I was like, ooh. Uh, and, you know, like us Southerners, we love the snow. We're like, how did I get the snow? Oh, my God. Blah, 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 blah. And I was pretty, I was like pumped. I was like, ooh, because that, that particular summer, moving up from Atlanta, it was hot in Atlanta. It was like, moving over October 5th, it was 95 degrees in Atlanta. And I was like, F this, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was ready for the, um, the, uh, the cool weather, correct? All right, so then <laughs> it snows on Halloween. I'm cool with it. Had a very mild December. Um, it was actually 65 degrees on Christmas. It snowed a little in January, and it was more than I'd ever seen, but uh, that's fine. Well, then uh, everything's chugging along. I go to Nashville for a uh, work conference, and I'm sitting there at the Johnny Cash Bar, and the SEC tournament's happening mike morgan's calling the sec tournament two doors down for me uh, and i'm having a beer and waiting on my flight back to, to chi-town and stuff starts getting canceled and everything gets canceled all right so then how i usually tell time like my internal calendar is by sports and the weather keep in mind i've never lived north of nashville tennessee so ncaa tournament canceled baseball's canceled everything's canceled there's nothing I mean, literally sat there and watched concerts on YouTube for a month and drank my face off. Uh, it's April 15th, and it snows six inches. Oh, jeez. I had no freaking idea what date it was <laughs> until, like, July. 
Yeah, right. Right? Oh, it's warm again. Yeah, yeah, that's there, right. There was no baseball to kind of keep me safe. There was no <laughs> NBA finals, uh, and there was snow on the ground during the time of the year where I'm usually like, oh, it's nice and warm. Looking forward to going to the lake and having some – all that good stuff. So I, uh, I literally – and I just said baseball really loud, and Siri tried to direct me to the major league game. Uh, and, and so that was that was my first like reality hits you in the face. Second reality in the face was it starts snowing last February, February of twenty twenty one, not twenty twenty two. And I'm like, you know, and I walk outside, and all these people in my neighborhood are just out there six o'clock in the morning shoveling their butts off. And I'm like, yeah. It's gonna melt tomorrow anyway. Yeah, it'll just be gone. <laughs> just, just like, just like down south, and yeah, kids can stay out of school today. It'll melt tomorrow. We'll be fine. Oh hell no! <laughs> so next thing you know, it's up to the mailbox, and I have to go and buy a snowblower. <laughs> and because uh, I cause hey, the, smarter, the, not harder, man. Well, no, yeah. the, the, the snow froze underneath the snow, and I have to chip out and. I finally get this thing called a snowblower, and I look like a fool. Um, and so that's kind of what happened. But anyway, I wanted to kind of uh, wanted to kind of sit there and uh, fill you in on that. Or is Michael having technical difficulties? We are having some sort of technical difficulties with Michael. I may try to JC have him call in because I think I can make that happen today. Okay, let's try to do um, that. The uh, if I'm gonna cut myself out here for a second while I get that set up. All right, yeah, I'll sit here on the Nanosports Skyline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Craig says Pittman and Beamer are the best fits for the schools they are coaching, and that shows you too, like the two most 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 worthless uh, rankings that they have or evaluations they have, or coach higher rankings in NFL draft grades. Go back and look at those and see how bad most of them are. Um, I don't think anybody really understands that coaching is a lot about fit. Uh, and stuff like that, that one thing doesn't lead to another. The worst narrative, and Shane Beamer even pointed it out, was never been a coordinator. And then you look at the guys that have won national championships and never been a coordinator, you know. I mean, I think Nick Saban's the only one. He was the D.C. for the Browns and I think for Michigan State. Um, you know, and and here's Pittman and Beamer, never been coordinators. And, uh, you know, oh, my God, I'll never forget one of the writers said, uh, unlike Brian Harson, who will be able to go recruit, can Beamer recruit? Uh, Phil, uh, well, Phil's getting uh, fun on the line. I, let me check. Where, where's Auburn right now in the SEC uh, team recruiting rankings? And they'll get better. Auburn will sign some players. But uh, let, let's just check out where, where the mighty Brian – I mean, I don't understand how you even come to this conclusion because uh, Beamer – Definitely, of, of all things, is a great recruiter. I mean, every, everybody sort of knows that. Oh, Auburn's 14th in the league. For right now, 14th. Uh, are they ahead of Vandy? I don't know. No. No, they're behind Missouri, Vandy, Ole Miss. Uh, and Harson's style of recruiting is similar to, uh, you know, what he did at Boise. You can't win that way. Uh, so I just remember the dumb narratives on that. And uh, I think over time – will be proven right. And finally, we've got our guy, Michael Flint, former South Carolina Gamecock wide receiver, Wando. What's up, guys? I'm having some technical difficulty, challenges, whatever it is with technology I'm not very efficient with. 
No worries. <laughs> the gremlins get us all, man. We're all. <laughs> so, so are, you, are you like in the map room at the Flint Manor there? You got, you got the map going in the background? Yeah, I'm right there in the den. Apparently, I guess here, uh, this dial-up internet service, I got. I had to get close to the modem. Yeah, AOL, man. AOL. I'll hit you up on AOL Messenger if we, if we, uh, if we cut off. Uh, Michael, just, uh, you know, I've been asking everybody this. You know, a lot of excitement, obviously, coming out of preseason camp. Uh, I think most of us, having been through what we've been through the last 10 years, are trying to kind of temper expectations. But I hear some really good things. Um, kind of what's your take on uh, what you've heard, seen, felt uh, so far? during the preseason and uh, your uh, outlook for the season, which is right around the corner. Yeah, I think going into this or, you know, going into the previous seasons, I always feel like there's a lot of forced positivity and you try to force, you know, the, the good things and what you see the outcome of a season could be with different position groups, different personnel groupings. And you try to kind of, you know, like let's say talking season, talk everything up and, the back of your mind, you're sitting there thinking, you know, you're one injury away or, you know, is are these guys really SEC caliber talents? And going into this season, I feel like it's different. I feel like it's been more of a quiet confidence, um, you know, seeing how deep some of the, you know, a lot of these rooms are. It's just a different vibe and a different feel. I think a lot of that goes into, into the coaching staff that we have and the type of communications that, you know, the, 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 the coaches have and, and so forth. But I think even last year it was, there wasn't as much of a, of a confidence and kind of that swagger that you see on the, the welcome home shows um, that the last two that have come out. And so, you know, I, I, I have a good feel I've te- I've te- tempered the expectations a little bit more going into this season, just knowing what we've, you know, talked about and all the other preseason hype from, from seasons be- uh, before and so, but I, I think there's more of a quiet confidence, you know, surrounding the program going into this season um, outside of others. And it just, it's a different feel for some reason. And I think the type of players that we have in that locker room, the camaraderie that those guys have, um, the brotherhood that those, that the team has, you know, I think it's just different. And, you know, I believe that it starts at the top and it's all about the culture and the message and, uh, you know, how this team is, is shaped and run. And I, you know, I think it starts with Coach Beamer. I think what he's been able to do with the program has really started to take shape and he's really molded this thing into what he sees as, you know, the University of South Carolina, you know, football program. Now, uh, I'm sure you caught uh, Mark Stoops' comment uh, that he made climate versus culture. You played college football. Uh is there anything to that, uh, you know, uh, or what uh, What was your general takeaway from from what he said? I personally uh, I personally think it was just a cheap shot, but th- that was just me. But you, you've been there. You've been on the team. Uh, you've been through a coaching change, you know. So you uh, just let uh, tell the people kind of from a former player's perspective, uh, climate, culture, can you turn it this quick with Beamer? Uh, being who he is and all that, uh, just kind of address that. Yeah, I think you can turn it. And I think one thing that has helped Beamer really turn this thing is the transfer portal. I mean, I think the transfer portal has has probably shaved off, you know, at least two to three years, I believe, because um, you really got to get the recruiting classes in. You know, as you come in to a program that has struggled, 
you start to recruit first recruiting class you hope is good a lot of those freshmen you don't want to see many of them have to go in there and start right away or play a lot of you know a ton of snaps right away um you want to be able to build the program and and you utilize the experience and and the guys that have some tenure but i think the transfer portal has really helped expedite that and i think beamer what coach beamer did addressing the needs of the program was exceptional i thought he did a phenomenal job addressing the current needs that we had from not only just a you know a a a starting standpoint with the quarterback position the receiver position but also a depth standpoint as well especially at running back and and bringing in some guys at safety so i thought that he's done a phenomenal job and he built it the right way and we didn't just take guys just to take them but he also made sure they were a fit in the locker room. Um, you know, watching that the the welcome home episode, talking about Spencer Rattler coming to Carolina and making sure that it was a fit. And you know, he spoke to numerous people at Oklahoma about what had happened. You know, Coach Beamer didn't just take things for you know what he heard or somebody else's word. You know, speaking with others, he got it directly from the program. And so, I think the way that he's vetted these guys, he's making sure that everybody is a fit within the locker room because. You know, the one thing that you have to have within that locker room is guys that are willing to go to battle for each other every day, guys that are willing to lay it on the line for each other every day. And when you get guys out there that aren't willing to do that, it divides the team, divides the locker room. You know, you got guys out there just doing it for themselves. And I think that plays a big part in how you build a program and how you build kind of the culture within the program and really and really building it where you have that depth, you have your seniors that are those, that are those guys that are the leaders that are the voice of the team in the locker room within your you know within your position groups in your uh, in the in your meetings you know position meetings guys that stand up and hold people accountable and really make sure that everybody's doing their job um, the right way. And I think Coach Beamer has done you know really a fantastic job. I think the one thing that you know everybody you know every Gamecock fan should appreciate is Coach Beamer's the one guy that wants to be at South Carolina. This is where he wants to be. This is where he sees his career, you know, as a head coach starting and finishing. And he doesn't see himself anywhere else. And I think that's the type of the level that, you know, what we needed for this program, you know, the level of effort that we need in recruiting and building a program and fundraising. And I think it's everything. And I think you see that come through with his passion um, that he has, you know, not only for the state, but for the university. Talking with Michael Flint here on episode 10. So it's a, kind of an anniversary here. Episode 10 of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. We hope Michael joins us, uh, obviously, many, many times. Former Gamecock receiver. They call him Wando, ladies and gentlemen. Had a, had a chance to meet him last year at the Kentucky game yeah. in person. It was quite an honor uh, uh, to get to know him and uh, certainly glad that he's uh, joining us here. All right, so, so from a player standpoint, you, you always hear coaches talk about well, we need player leadership. We need to be a uh, our player. We need to be a player led team. Um, you've been on some teams. Tell us how important that is uh, to have players within the organization picking up maybe where the coaches left off from a leadership standpoint. How how important is that to kind of keep the team as a one, one cohesive unit? I mean, I think it's a it's a must. I mean, these guys. The guys are around each other 24-7. Coaches aren't always going to be around. You know, they're in they're in the facilities. They're on the field. Um, you know, not necessarily in the weight room with you. And so, you know, coaches during the summer, you really don't see them outside of some meetings and, and you know, 
going doing dinner at the house as a as a as a group. But you know, these guys are around each other every day, all day, for the most part. You know, outside of potentially May and uh, and that's really about it. But these guys are together all the time. And if you have that person that you expect to lead you not there consistently, then it kind of you just you you look around and you don't have anybody that really holds people accountable. And, you know, I think the one story that I think everybody has probably heard recently that's probably really resonated with everyone and probably give, you know, gives me chills thinking about it. And I wasn't there for this point, but the story that Ryan Brewer told about Phil Petty, um, you know, when everybody's looking around, not knowing what to do, and then he steps up and says, I didn't hear no bell. And that's like, man, you just look at that guy and you're like, I will follow him anywhere. And then seeing kind of leaders that can grow from that that says, you know, saw him step up. I need to step up in the defensive room. I need to step up in, you know, position room. But, you know, you have that guy that you can continue to look at when things start to go wrong. And you have that guy that that, that can step up and 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 be there and kind of lead everybody. Um, coaches aren't on the field with you. You know, you got to have somebody that's going to be the, the the voice of that defense. You look at a guy like DJ Swearinger, and you know, being that vocal guy. You got guys that lead by example, but you need those guys that are vocal as well. And guys like DJ Swearinger, people would have run through a brick wall for. And he's he's on the field with those guys. So, you know, I think that plays a crucial part. You got to have those guys. In the I think the way this program is being run and the way that Coach Beamer and staff are developing these guys, you're getting these older guys that are growing into this role and starts at a young age and then grows as they get older and they become more of a leader each year, I think, which which I think is crucial to building a championship program. Yeah, I, I agree with you there, too. That's a, any coach will say that. Um, Phil, you got something for Mike? Phil. Phil there. Dude, he's just like, oh, he's off. I just got a text from him. He says, I have no clue what just happened. All right, continuing with Michael Flint. I guess I'll take us through the uh, the rest of the hour, and um, hopefully we can get this thing back up. I don't know where he went. So, uh, anyway, all right, so we hung out Kentucky game last year. Just yeah. Tell everybody who what your favorite tailgate food is and your beverage of choice. Favorite tailgate food. Man. I think it's, uh, you know, one that I just enjoy. I like there's a pizza dip that <laughs> Ryan Brewer's wife makes. That is probably one of my favorite things that, that I've that I've had. Um, we tailgated together for a long time. And, you know, I think that's usually my that's usually my favorite uh, beverage of choice. Usually an ice cold Bud Light. Ah, man, after my own heart there. I'm not <laughs> I'm not a craft beer guy at all. <laughs> so. Uh, that's kind of uh, one of those things. But, that, yeah, gets that, that gets tough during the day after a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't have – I've not, I mean, you know, some people like, like they drink craft beer all day, man. I can't get for a night game start at noon, which is – well, I'm sorry, at 2 o'clock. Well, 3. What was that noon? <laughs> Depends on if there's brunch involved, really, and uh, all that. You know, I can't, I can't do that and, um, and, uh, and make it. You know, I'll, I'll throw up if I have no. too many craft beers. Now, uh, Miller Lite, uh, maybe, dare I say, even at times the champagne of beers. I, I can go swimmingly through that. So that, oh, that's yeah. always good. Um, okay, Mike, gotta, we're going to ask you, Michael Flint, uh, former Gamecock wide receiver, wrapping up with him. Really enjoy enjoyed his work on JB and Goldwater and hope he joins us here 
uh, really knows the game, breaks it down well. And, of course, uh, he's a heck of a player to watch. I, I, I still have it in my mind. It was, I think it was a, you call it a nine route. It was like a go route. You call yeah. it when the Gamecocks – was it 04 when they were the black – or the black – yeah, Holtz's last year. Was that, was that, is that right? Was that you? Yeah, 04, yeah. yeah. It was a nine round. You just kind of went up, got it. I remember that play. Uh, but um, so the the uh, the poll question today, over, under, and it, it's 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 a big one, including bowl, 7.5 wins this year for the Gamecocks. Including the bowl game, I'm going over. I'm going over. There's, there, there's a lot of traits in this team that I see now that I have not seen in the past. Um, depth is is a is a huge part of it i think continuity is a big part of it as well i know offensive line is potentially you know was was a struggle last year i think some of it was schematic and you know how tough it was i i I, i'm interested to see how that looks this year from a scheme standpoint how we block um but there's guys that are there um, they have a lot of starts underneath their belt. So I'm, I'm going to go in the over. I think the offensive line is is, is going to be quietly have a lot better year than they did last year. And I know it's a question mark, but I think those guys go up against some pretty dang good players day in and day out on that defensive front. Yeah, and I was going to ask you this too. How – because I believe you changed offenses at least once while, while you played. How hard is it going from one system to another year to year? Just it's mentally. Different. Yeah. It is. It's difficult. There's a lot of terminology. You know, it's, it sounds easy. It's like, you know, you go run a route. Yeah. But there's a lot of routes that aren't the typical routes that you would run in the route tree. Like, you know, the hitch, the curl, slant, post, corner. There's a lot of routes that coaches have developed where it's you get to a, you get to a spot and that matches up with the quarterback's timing, with the quarterback's drop. And so a lot of it, terminology is a, is a big part of it and understanding what to do, um, formation sets, just it's, it's, it is difficult and it's a lot more challenging than, than people would imagine. Um, there's a lot that goes into it. Yeah. And then the thing with the O-line last year, and I, and I kind of, I don't know, I was a little critical of, of Marcus Satterfield and all that last year. Cause it, it seemed like the offensive line was confused, but yeah, a, after, you know, everybody kind of settles down in the off season and thinks about things and, you know, I, I mean, how difficult do you think it would be to go like three three consecutive years with a completely different scheme? Because what Brian McClendon was trying to run in 2019, different than what Mike Bobo ran in 2020, and then different than what Marcus Satterville was running in 2021. And then you change position coaches on top of that. So I, I would think that no matter how smart those guys are on the offensive line, there was going to be an adjustment period. Yeah, and I think we, you know, I was the same way as you, JC. I was extremely critical. There was things that I saw that I just, you know, I rub, I questioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I saw it numerous times. And then I go back and think, and I was, you know, and, I, and I, I really think about it. I was like, you know, our starting quarterback for the majority of the year was bringing donuts to an office three weeks before. <laughs> and yeah. it's, you know, you really think about that. And, you know, he thought he had played his last football game, probably didn't work out much, probably no. didn't do a lot of film study. And you look at what our team, what these players do during the summer of film study, workout, seven-on-seven, one-on-ones. I mean, you're doing football-related things every day during the summer. And a lot of times during the spring, I mean, we did things outside of, 
you know, the standard, you know, we did a lot of, of one-on-one work by ourselves and we just, I mean, we were that used to doing things. So we just kept it going and there's a lot that goes into it. And, you know, mentally, physically, um, you know, he was, he was kind of strapped, uh, you know, kind of, um, you know, didn't, it, 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 would, it, it hindered us and yeah. teams could, teams could do things against us defensively. That was probably pretty hard to prepare for You know, he wasn't a guy that was going to threaten you with his legs. Um, and so teams were able to do a lot more to really mitigate what Satterfield was able to do on offense and not really allow him to open up the playbook as much. And so that, that was, that's one thing I really go back to is, is really think about that and know that the playbook was not necessarily able to be open like yeah. he would have liked, and he wasn't able to do a lot of the things that he would like to do. So, you know, all in all, last year I was, you know, just as critical as you. Um, you know, it was frustrating to see a lot of the same mistakes over and over and over and a lot of the same plays being run. And you think about it, it was, you know, could he have really, you know, could we have done it? And I think there were some things we could have utilized, you know, with screen running screens, draws and delays to to really to really kind of stop that, you know, just blitzing, you know, all out, just bringing guys, U- utilizing some of that stuff to really slow the defense down and not have those ears pinned back all the time. But, you know, I think this year has got to be a big step for, for Coach Satterfield to really regain the trust of the fan base. Yeah, I agree with you. It is a big year for him. And, and I'm going to say this, the more you dig into it, the more I actually kind of, I like his plays, okay? Like, like he's got some really cool design plays. Uh, I, I think when your offensive line's breaking down, it's it, you know, even Steve Spurrier showed us when uh, when they'd go through what I call the, the season of Hunt, where John Hunt would tinker with the offensive line for about eight games, and then they'd finally get it right, and, oh, there's the, there's the fun and gun. You know, <laughs> well, shoot, I couldn't get a pass off. Shoot, oh, yeah. we got to yeah, run the ball and punt. But yeah. – um, uh, you know, it, uh, you know, they finally put it all together by the end of the year, Carolina can run and throw, but, um, you, you know, so, you know, that happens. I mean, it, it's hard when you don't get the blocking or when your linemen are making mistakes and et cetera, et cetera. So like the plays, I, you know, did the, was the play calling in the bowl game good? I would say so. I mean, you know, you, you kind of caught North Carolina off guard, kept them off balance and then, ran to keep the lead at the end and just kept on running. Um, yeah. You know, so 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 maybe those are some good signs. I do like the designs and ideas. Uh, my contention last year was how the hell are they teaching it because there's some kind of disconnect. I agree with you. I You know, one thing, J.C., I noticed during that North Carolina game and games previously during the season is you see offensive linemen moving slow and their heads moving around. Like they're looking for – they're not quite sure where to go. Mm-hmm. But then you saw during the North Carolina game, especially, you saw these guys drive off the ball and fire off the ball. And I did not see those guys, though that line fire off the ball like that consistently all year. And North Carolina's a good team, you know, not to take anything away from any, you know, e- either team, but I thought North Carolina was, you know, a good team. And I thought the way that they, the continuity of the line, it looked like they knew what they were doing. They fired off the ball quickly. And so, you know, that was, that was good to see. Now, was it, was it simplification? You know, was it just that one, that extra handful of weeks that you were able to practice and something finally clicked? You know, I don't know, but I'd be more than willing to bet that it was more of a simplification, you know, simplifying 
roles and responsibilities and not having so many checks of if somebody's here, you might do this. If somebody's there, you might do that. And not so much of a guessing game where one guy's on one page, one guy's on the other. It's, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to fire off the ball. Here's the simple concepts. Um, you know, one thing I really look towards with with the offensive play call in this year is really building off of, you know, what, you know, really building off plays, play to play, using plays mm-hmm. to other others there, you know there was times with previous you know coordinators that it was just it was frustrating to watch because you would see things that would that would work see things that would work and you would see deep you know especially specific types of running plays off bootleg whatever it is and you'd see defensive backs kind of rest a little you know kind of kind of get a little complacent and then there's that time to strike and we did we haven't done that a lot we weren't able to do it a lot last year but it's really being able to build off you know, yeah, build off the run game with the deep ball or some sort of bootleg play action to get Rattler outside the pocket, you know, off off of specific runs. So really building off of off of plays. I, I thought play calling wise, I thought Bobo was just limited. Colin Hill was obviously limited. Uh, one receiver, Shy Smith, you're limited. Uh, but he would do things like that. McClendon struggled. Once the RPO kind of got taken away, I don't think he had a second pitch. Kurt Roper, people can say what they want about Marcus Satterfield, Mike Bobo, whoever. I, that was one of the worst things I've ever seen. I mean, he just – I don't know what he was thinking <laughs> half the time. And no, but ne- ne- neither did most of that coaching staff, including the head coach half the time, uh, because he had drawn up on the chalkboard. And I think, I think with Satterfield, the thing was, well, here we go again. It's another Roper who's good at the chalkboard and spent one year in the NFL, thinks he's uh, Andy Reid and all that other <laughs> stuff. But – you know, as I learn more and kind of dig in the stuff Sat's trying to do, and I, and I think Freddie Kitchens being there to kind of coach that, the coaches. That's a bit. that's a. I don't think people realize how big that is from a mm-hmm. kind of that, and I say big brother standpoint, having somebody looking over your shoulder saying, "Ah, probably might you might not want to do that." Here's what I think we maybe should do. Um, you know, I think that's that is bigger than people think. Yeah, definitely with all the experience he brings in, so that'll be good. Well, Mike, Michael. Wando, we hope this is not your last appearance here on the uh, Inside the Game Guys show. We're looking forward to talking to you more as the season gets cranked. Only two weeks left, man. It's two weeks. I know. Hey, I enjoyed. I look. I look. I look forward to coming back. I enjoy watching the show too. Yeah, two weeks from today, we'll have Carolina calls, so that'll be a uh, a bunch of laughs, you know. Okay. And and, uh, <laughs> and then uh, you know we're looking live. Oh, and Williams Bryce, welcome back. <laughs> Hey, I know I'm excited. I, I'm 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 ready for it. It's uh, you know that, that 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 quiet confidence going into the year. It's just a different. I think it's a different feel for everybody. But still got to play the game. Absolutely, got to get it. That's not going to be an easy opener. Thanks, Michael. Uh, hey. Have a good one, and we'll talk to you really soon. Yeah, enjoyed it, guys. Look forward to coming back. Thanks, Thanks Michael. All right, see you. Former Gamecock wide receiver Michael Flint, epic. Uh, had a little bit of technical issues. Couldn't get him in, and Phil all of a sudden just disappears. Oh, I, I, I'll, we'll, we'll fill them in at the top of the hour. We'll yeah, I, 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 I was yeah. literally looking at a picture of the Queen of England. <laughs> <laughs> Phil has that. Phil has that big Gamecock cup. I know it's water, but I kind of pictured it being vodka after all that. He's just like, man, ah! you know, it might yeah. be for hour too, buddy. <laughs> yeah, he's he's, he's got to watch. He's got dogs and kids to watch all week, and then the damn show goes out. But anyway, uh, we, Dad, my, my, Michael is an excellent, excellent uh, 
an excellent uh, deal. Fong just, oh, okay. Oh, two news notes to update everybody on, all of our listeners, because you probably haven't been on the big spur. Number one, five-star athlete Nicholas Harbor has set an official visit to South Carolina for the Georgia game. In the article, it quotes his dad, it's going to be his dad's first college football game he's ever attended. Keep him in the dad works with NASA too, doesn't he? Like he comes from uh, Yeah, yeah. I mean yeah. dude's got crazy good uh, academic genes and stuff. Yeah. Well, uh my advice to the Carolina coaching staff would be let him see the game, but keep him in an air conditioned box. <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna be a hot one. That's yeah. gonna be a hot one. Uh-huh. Uh and then the number two thing is Xavier Hardy, it was a big four-star defensive lineman. Uh, from the state of Georgia, there were some academic issues. I've had a crystal ball in for the Gamecocks for him for a while. Steve Wilfong just dropped a crystal ball for him. I was uh, while we were talking to Wando, I was uh, in touch with the source, confirmed he's a take for the Gamecocks. Uh, and keep in mind, there's new rules now where you can sign as many as you want. Uh, so I expect the Gamecocks, whereas they used to be kind of judicious about potential non-qualifiers, I, I I think they'll take a flyer on a kid like that. So um, uh, here we go. All right, so Nanasport's chat line is on fire. Un fuego! Un fuego! Um, and we'll be back to talk uh, more about all of these topics. Uh, and we're a little late on it, but yeah, you know what? This isn't live radio. We don't That's have right. a hard out. We uh, make the rules. <laughs> we make the rules just right. Okay. Anyway, Ryan's got some beer uh, advice. Okay, awesome. Going to need one here about a few hours. All right. <laughs> may come back on the show. With Sorry, I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting hit on it's all this. Noon. It's not All this late. good recruiting news, man. I'm like, oh, wow, I, you know, all this stuff. And I had a super positive spur notes today. I mean, it was almost Homer level. Uh, I felt almost weird putting it out. But, you know, I'm tired of fighting it. I'm tired of fighting the positive feelings. It's I can't. I can't yeah. fight this feeling anymore. <laughs> All right, well, let's get get the break. We'll be right back. <laughs> Hour number two, uh, which is brought to you by the Burgess team at Remax at the Lake, coming up inside the Gamecocks. The show after these messages. If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the Upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are, Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a die-hard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue, contact Cindy, 864-414-5271, or email ccearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S, at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Sydney Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. 
If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Hey man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. Oh, I feel that man. My head hurts, but I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fees low too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh, Do you have 843-699-1001 as Matt's contact number? Yeah, man, I sure do that. Or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) I'm getting all that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at Taylor at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar is spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email is on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. And we're back. Uh, by the way, uh, Meredith Taylor, McKellar Enterprises uh, guest line. We had a little technical issue. Uh, uh, Flint was a spinning wheel, and so I had to had to kind of vamp or whatever. Um, 
and uh, ooh, I hit the mic there. Sorry about that, fellas. Uh, this is just kind. Of, this is kind of a fun show today because there's yeah, a lot yeah. going on. <laughs> this is the first time we've had like a bunch of news come in at once uh, while we're sitting there. By the way, uh, University of South Carolina is running a ticket special for eighteen dollars and one cent. Ah, I saw like for the opener, and is yeah. it Missouri too? Missouri, yeah. For $18.01, just like you can join the 1801 Club and be a member of Carolina Rise and help us. We just gave uh, Gigi Jackson an even bigger NIL deal. We need it. So I wanted to mention that. Uh, also, just to catch you up, five-star Nick Harbor, uh, athlete from D.C., fast, fast, fast. <laughs> uh, people ask me where he's going to play. If he plays offense, I, I just call it touchdown. Um, because he's going to score touchdowns because that, that kind of speed, I mean, you're not going to catch him. Uh, since his official visit for the Georgia game, uh, it'll be his dad's first college football game. So LSU is on the visit schedule too. So we'll see how much uh, fun they have. Um, LSU is kind of a dark horse to watch for him because of track. LSU's got a really good track program. Um, but they're feeling the love at South Carolina right now. And a lot of people around the program have a quiet confidence about him, just like they had about Desmond Uziamozolo two or three weeks ago. So uh, if the track record – and now, look, they haven't gotten Desmond yet. Like I said, 11 days is a long time. Um, so that's news. Xavier Hardy, five, a four-star, actually ranked higher than Desmond or McLeod. <laughs> Figure that. Big 6'5", 275 guy. One of those big old guys, big old boys, Phil. Uh, from Macon, Georgia, we're trying to figure out, like, uh, he was at Tattnall Square Academy, which is a lot like Heathwood Hall or Hammond um, in Macon. Don't know where he's playing this year just yet. Maybe Tattnall Square. Who knows? Um, I know where Tattnall Square Academy is because I've been to Macon before. When I was in high school, I dated a young lady from Macon, uh, and that's also where the Almond Brothers started. There's a little <laughs> trivia. That, that, so, um so there we go with that. So that's another piece of news. Uh, another piece of news is Xavier McLeod announces at 6.30 today on the 24-7 Sports YouTube page. We've talked about him a whole lot. Uh, things are looking swimmingly for Carolina there as well. So we'll see uh, if the good recruiting news continues to roll on. Uh, we've talked about the team and, and good news coming out of practice. Good It's like good vibrations all the way around right now uh, for the Gamecocks. You know, Phil, there was like a, a bad day. What was it? Yeah. Last week, last mm -hmm. Wednesday, last Wednesday was a bad day for the Gamecocks. It was a bad day. That's right. commitments and some stuff like that. By the way, I can't say anything, uh, and you'll nobody will ever figure it out because it's not that easy to figure out. But I kind of have an idea what they're going to try to do at that other linebacker spot. I like it. I'm excited. Yeah, I like the plan. I like the plan there. That's all I'm going to say on that. Uh Inside the Gamecocks, the show has a mailbag, the iHealth Consulting mailbag. You can email inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com or you can tweet to at the Big Spur Pod. Please follow us uh, on all of those uh, social media channels. So there we go um, with all that. Poll question today over under seven and a half wins. The positive vibes are coming. Phil, if I'd have put this poll out last week, do you think we'd have gotten this kind of 78.8% on Twitter say I, over? 
I saw that the over is killing it on the Saturday over half. seven and a half. That it includes the bowl, includes the bowl. So yeah, that's true. Uh, and they didn't mm-hmm. win seven without the bowl. So on the bigspur.com, which is normally uh, last Wednesday was the fellowship of the miserable. Um, <laughs> it's even crazier. 81.5% say over 18% says under. And I don't uh, know if I'm not buying that though, the more I get to it and, you know, maybe uh, after reading spur notes and hearing all this good vibrations and all that, yeah, eight and four is, you know, I, I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm going to say this people I trust to shoot me straight. Right. That aren't, you know, they weren't sitting around last year going, 10 wins. You know? Damn, yeah. yeah. <laughs> not like the Bears fans on Saturday night. They're going, nah, Super Bowl. Dick yeah. versus God. Beamer versus God in golf. Beamer. <laughs> Pork chops. Polish sausage. You know, they, 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 these people aren't like that. They're they're like, they're almost all the opposite. They're like, ah, lucky, lucky to go four and eight. <laughs> that kind of thing, you know. Um, it's turned. And so I trust these people. You know, you don't you don't trust somebody that's always. I mean, you trust people that are always super positive and have a sunny disposition. But you know, you get you go through it about two or three times, and it's like, well, here are your predictions the last five years: ten and two, eleven and one, fifteen and zero, thirteen and one, and, and, and then the most you've won seven games, right? They're right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know you're, you're probably not going to go, oh, yeah, you know, isn't that special? You know, you know you're not going to put just, the... you, Yeah, you ask him for his prediction this year and then just tune out a minute he starts but, talking. But, but somebody is willing to be honest about things, I think, um, uh, you know, I can appreciate. So people that are honest, honest this year, they, they think they're going to be good. And and it does, if you if, if, if it hadn't been for the last decade of this fan base having its daggum, you know, rug pulled out from underneath it constantly over and over and over again. Just when things are looking good, the bottom falls out again. Right. Uh, what's tempering my expectations here. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's, I don't blame recent. people. It's but if, but <laughs> if you do back away from that though, you know, and, and Wando mentioned this in the first hour about the quarterback situation. Now, uh, the whole narrative, four different quarterbacks, yeah, they did. That's a fact, but I, I would have thought that would have been a little bit more of an issue had it been like every other game they're switching quarterbacks. Uh, it was nothing like 1999. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, when uh, the uh, the Holtz, the first Holtz era, and all that. So that's. Yeah. Uh, that's I don't know. It's it's interesting, like. That's one of the reasons why I'm kind of, you know, holding out on the whole Satterfield thing too, is you can watch last year's film and you can see what plays he calls, but is he, can you tell tendencies because you've had this inconsistent quarterback, you know, rotation that you had, um, you know, are they going to be able to pick up on things that we did last year? I mean, obviously some of these things are going to be, you know, seen on film and we're going to rehash, you know, and, and live through some of these plays before, but you know, just the flow of his game calling and all of that, you know, I don't think anybody can hammer that down and really have an edge going into facing us this season. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. And, and, and look, I'm going to say this, Phil, you, you, you know, you look at the quarterback situation, and, and, and you're right. There, there's not 
I mean, how do you kind of determine tendencies last year? Basically, what it was was, oh, well, when they ran the ball, they ran it well. You know, oh, well, when they had a quarterback that could move around the pocket a little bit, they could get you on scramble play or, or whatever. Yeah, oh, right. well, mm-hmm. you know, Jaheim Bell on the RPO is lethal. I mean, what, there wasn't much you really had to look at and stop. Now, this year mm-hmm. – and, and so you're replacing the revolving door with uh, Spencer Rattler. Now, no matter what the opinion is on him – uh, and I'll be honest, I'll be honest. I, when Rat- Rattler came out the same year as Holitsky, right? Mm-hmm. And watching him, I thought the people that do the rankings went a little overboard comparing him to Kyler Murray, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, eh, eh, probably not Kyler Murray, mm-hmm. right? Um, there's only one Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray's like 5'8". Five, five, I was going to say, he's a little you taller. Know? Uh, yeah, this, Spencer's <laughs> a little taller, right? Uh <laughs> But I was like, man, in Oklahoma, he's going to light it up because nobody plays defense in the Big 12 anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he did, especially in 2020. Um, you know, so, so so I'm not this big, like, Rattler's the most talented, awesome quarterback in the history of the program already. I'm not, I'm not crowning him. I think a lot of the criticism of him is completely unfair. Uh, I'm curious to see what he does in the system. I don't expect it to be perfect. But that kind of stability – is night and day different than like like Flint said, a uh, graduate assistant that hadn't worked out all summer, or right. yeah, bringing Luke, you coffee, yeah. Luke Doty with one foot, right, <laughs> or or Jason Brown who's coming up from St. Francis, who uh, people trash him all the time because of the Clemson game, but guess what? If it weren't for Jason Brown, you're not even in the Missouri game at all. No. Uh, you know, and, and, and you know you don't have that ability to cut it to three at the end. You don't beat Auburn and you don't beat Florida. So mm-hmm. so I'll just throw that out there about Jason Brown. Now, could, could DeCarry and Joyner maybe have been the quarterback all year and things have been different? Yeah, but that's in hindsight. And who yeah, that, you yeah. know, I, I can't sit there and say, uh, do I believe that? Yes, but I can't sit there and say, all right, should have done that, chat. Because yeah. I, I wouldn't have thought about that, you know. But um, now that's the one player I think he actually did show some tendency with last year is when he did put him in before the North Carolina ball. Oh, God, you know, yeah. It's like, yeah, well, okay. And, and part part of that <laughs> part of part of that's on the carry on for not giving and keeping yeah. every time, mm-hmm. uh, which is a read he has to make. I mean, that Tennessee game to carry on you know, before they threw the halfback pass to Jordan Burke. <laughs> Um, or with Jordan Birch. Yeah. Uh DeCarrie gives the ball to Marshawn Lloyd. Marshawn Lloyd's and he walks in the end zone. I yeah. mean, it's that's mm-hmm. that simple. So that was the perfect opportunity to break that. You know, it was like yeah. just if you give it off, nobody's expecting you to hand that ball. Yeah, off. I mean, you know, break that <laughs> tendency right there. Marshawn Lloyd has a touchdown, everybody's happy. Maybe Tennessee doesn't have all that momentum. Once Tennessee, you know, anyway, I'm not gonna rehash that game. No. Um you know, so you got stability there. You know, people forget what kind of elite recruit Marshawn Lloyd was. He's backed up by Wake Forest leading rusher from last season. Wake, pretty good offense last year. Backed up by an older Juju McDowell, who you can use in a lot of ways. Who could probably maybe be one of the top kick returners in the SEC. 139 starts on the line. They are loaded at the tight end position. Uh, you look on the other side. Well, So where do they need to fix it on defense? Well, uh, linebacker. You know, and they're much faster and quicker and deeper at linebacker. Uh, the defensive line is a year older. I'm, I think Boogie Huntley or MJ Webb, either one, uh, as much as I like Jabari Ellis, will be an upgrade at that other D tackle opposite Pickens. Uh, I, I, I'm concerned about the ends playing the run. I'm concerned about the safeties and the depth back there, but I say that every single year. Um, mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, I'm a little concerned about the pass rush. So they've upgraded across the board. There are more guys that can take it to the house on off. There's probably about five times, probably about like four times as many guys that, that you say, hey, you put the ball in his hands and you go, uh, and he's open and it's green, the band's playing, right? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. On top of that, the report, one of the big nuggets Jamie Bradford shared with us the other day was Josh Van has been even better in the preseason, mm-hmm. you know, at, at 43 catches a year ago. And I think that competition has kept him going and going and going. Uh, Josh Van recently became a father. He's got a lot to work for this year, you know. Oh, yeah. uh, all, mm-hmm. And then you talk about everybody all the time, and we always forget Austin Stogner, who was a top 100 recruit who Oklahoma fans loved. He yeah, just wasn't right. healthy. We got two transfers from Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean, it's like <laughs> – and, and so you look at the personnel, and it's it's night and day better. It's mm-hmm. night and day better. So maybe, you know, maybe that's it. Maybe maybe that's the key. I mean, we're going to find out uh, all that. So uh, Nana's Port's chat box rolls on. Quisi Harrison says, my wife also hates snow. Well, <laughs> and Brian says, any chance you have Mike Morgan on the show? Yes, we will. And Mike uh, also and I, we, we were long overdue for a podcast. I actually talked to him today. Uh, interesting times with Mike. Uh, oh, interesting times with Mike being at ESPN and all this TV stuff going on. But the answer is yes. Joan said Clowney at times could be lazy. I don't agree with that. Uh, Daddy O says perfect scenario snow at night and the next morning, 75 degrees by two. Snow is fun for three hours. Yeah, that's the way it is down in the south. And yeah. I learned, I learned the daggum hard way. You know, I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Like, like these people are crazy going nuts. I, I thought it was like a, Midwestern salt of the earth pride thing. Like, right. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to make sure my damn driveway's clear as snow so the neighbors don't think I'm lazy. And I'm like, I don't care what the neighbors think. It's going <laughs> to melt tomorrow. They say, you know, the, the fiance's car stuck in the driveway. We had yeah. cardboard. And, I mean, it was awful. That's why I laugh at my neighbors here. It was like, you're shoveling snow, dude. <laughs> why? Uh, you, if you, now, if you're, you're a loser if you're shoveling snow, it's, I mean, in South Carolina, I mean, I, well, I don't know if you're a loser. You, 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 you probably just ain't a retentive. I don't know. But no, yeah, this guy's always in his yard, and you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, even on Thanksgiving, he was out there. My wife and I were commenting on that. Well, you know, we had some choice stuff to say about that. <laughs> I, I can imagine what the wife would say. <laughs> Been friends with her a long time. Ryan says, uh, "JC and Mike." Oh, it's JC and Phil. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, My, Mike probably would drink Warsteiner. Uh, JC and, and Mike got to get y'all some Warsteiner authentic German beer, and it's so smooth. Thank me later. I've had it. Mm-hmm. It is, you know, like all right. So if I'm at a, a like a beer garden or a German restaurant, I'll have that, and I like it. It's okay. But uh, I usually I'm, drink I'm, a Kolsch. I just drink Miller Light or White Claw. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, at home, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rodney, give it to him, Todd Ellis. Uh, Joey Sox, hey, JC, have you ever had any dealings with Matt Jones of Kentucky Sports Radio? He was stirring the pot more about the Stoops comment yesterday. feel like that guy really hates South Carolina. Can't forget his comment about the 2017 basketball team. Yeah, he is. Uh, he loves his Kentucky Wildcats. I've never had any dealings with him. Some, some of my former bosses have. And it's not... Uh, I've been negative. Uh, I don't know. I, I just think that 
when you are in a market like he is and you've been doing it for so long and you have such a popular product and it's such a big fan base like Kentucky, uh, you, you kind of just do it. Say anything you want, basically. Uh, I will never do that. I, I sort of say anything I want now, but I don't, you know, I try to really be uh, at least fair about it. Yeah. And I know, and I know it's an objectivity. I mean, well, you know, and, fans, and, yeah. and I'll be honest about it too. I'll put it this way: there, there's a difference between being like, you know, knowing where your loyalties lie and uh, trying to kind of inform a fan base uh, and you know, feeling things with them. Uh, you know, in terms of losses and wins and stuff like that. Uh, and and then being, but then being a completely psychotic homer, uh, and, and then on the opposite side, I think one of the issues we've had in the South Carolina market is that you do have people that probably have a lot of emotions about the Gamecocks, but you know they learned a long time ago in Johnny Journalism School that you know you're not supposed to do that, and and and, and I, I don't think it's about being objective or not. I think they go sometimes, and, and I'm not. I'm not naming any names and I'm not going to. And a lot of these people kind of have cycled out, but they sort of go out of their way to prove they're not biased. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when I was younger, I, I kind of did that too. I'd kind of beat up on the Gamecocks just to maybe kind of throw some people off the trail, you know? <laughs> um, and I'm not going to do that anymore because I don't consider myself a journalist anymore. I mean, I, uh, I, I live that for a while. I, I think I'm more of an entertainer, an al- analyst, uh, guy that runs a website, and that's fine. But, but you know, as far as Matt Jones goes, yeah, I'm not fans of people that don't stay in their lane. And what the hell does he know about South Carolina and Shane Hoover? <laughs> and, and, and what the hell did he know about that, that Final Four team either? I mean, aren't they supposed to be basketball experts up there? Well, anybody anybody that knows that game at all uh, would, would never consider that a fluke run. No. I mean, they scored 65 freaking points against the Duke Blue Devils in the second half. Okay. Uh, they beat Baylor by 20. You Terrible know, uh, they beat Florida. For, for had to beat them for a second, third time they played them uh, and survived that. And they nearly knocked off Gonzaga. Did they lose to St. Peter's? No. Did they go 31-0 all year and have the one of the best teams in the history of college basketball and lose to freaking Wisconsin in the Get Final Four because they don't have the fundamentals to play? No. By a Big Ten school. Is South Carolina 4-23 and against Florida and Tennessee and Georgia uh, during the last nine years like Mark Stoops is? No. No. Now, I'm going ha- I- I- to stop right there and handle it because – uh, and, and back off because I know Kentucky's on South Carolina. Kentucky may win this year. They got a good football team. They got a good program. But, you know, I, I would just be careful, uh, you know, about casting stones at other schools, you know. Uh, and I know some Gamecock folks uh, right before the Clemson South Carolina series turned in 2014. Very cocky. No pun intended. <laughs> Pride comes before the fall, ladies and yeah, gentlemen. Right, that's right. And, and, and look, I understand Clemson people chirping a lot because mm, they got a lot of brag. There's a lot, of, lot for the Gamecocks to make up to to regain bragging rights, right? Mm. Uh, in that one, 
with all the championships and stuff. Uh, but if I'm Kentucky, I'm not throwing any shade. I'm mm-hmm. not throwing any shade at the Gamecocks at all. Count your blessings. Count your blessings. You know, I bet if you go back in time and ask a few Carolina fans like in 2012 about the Kentucky series, <laughs> they, they would count their blessings that they beat them 11 out of 12. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and all that. And I'll be in Lexington this year. So, you know, Joey, he, Matt Jones may want to stir the pot, whatever. I've, I've known him to do that over the years. I have no problem with him, respect him as a business owner uh, and all that. I'm just never going to do that, right? Uh, because what, what good is it going to do? Piss off Kentucky fans? Why well, I, I don't I, I don't I don't service Kentucky I don't cover Kentucky right no. uh, except on JC and Morgan and I'm always very complimentary about all schools because I can see good in everybody uh, mm-hmm. anyway thanks for that and um, we've got a lot of questions to answer here on the chat box mm-hmm. when we get back uh, hour number two rolls on sponsored by the Burgess and team at Remax by the Lake this is inside the Gamecocks the show with JC and Phil we will be back after these messages. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA mid-amateur tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter at Mer Taylor at M E R T A Y L O R or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar spelled M C K E L L A R Enterprises.org. Her email's on the website so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it, let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Let's say you need catering. You need a food truck. You just need to get some delicious food to feed some people. Nana's Porch is the place for you. I've known Chris, the owner, for years now. Uh, They helped with the Big Spur Golf Tournament. 
uh, catering it. It was delicious. I highly encourage you uh, to go visit nanasporch.com. That's nanasporch.com right now uh, to take a look at their services, their menu items, everything you may need for your event, the professionalism, the food, the taste. Uh, it's unrivaled uh, in this space. 336-259-7550 is the phone number. Or again, go to nanasports.com. Uh, we talk about them all the time. They uh, sponsor the chat line here on the podcast. But uh wanted to tell you about it right here, straight from JC. Tell them JC sent you. Uh, and please support this Gamecock-owned and operated business. Also a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey, man. Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues, and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts, but I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh, do you have 843-699-1001 as Matt's contact number? Yeah, man, I sure do that. Or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I'm getting all that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Welcome back, everybody. Oh, yeah, I'm staring at my phone like a, what is it, Gen Zer, millennial? My hair is getting so long, I'm going to have to start flopping it back. Hey, brah. Bruh, what's going on? Uh, John says, <laughs> Hey, maybe I'll get an NIL deal for like suave shampoo or something. Yeah, that's right. Um, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nana's Porch chat line, a rocking and rolling uh, going on. Um, so, that is poor chat line. I don't even know where John we says <laughs> he loves Phil's chuckle in the Heritage Digital ad. Somebody get an oh, Oscar. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Austin says they will let Harbor play whatever position he wants to. That's true. Brandon says since Carmelo Taylor is off the board, who are some good receivers? We still have a good shot at landing. I think they're going to have to go on the portal again, Brandon, but that's fine. Think about who they've landed from the portal. Uh, <laughs> EJ Jenkins served his purpose last year, probably could have had a better year. Uh, had he not had a setback in fall camp. Uh, so then uh, Amarian Brown came in. Again, he was hurt. Uh, now getting into stride. They're they're loving it, uh, what he's doing. And then they got Rucker and Wells. That's, uh, you know, three of those guys are still there. Uh, they've got Kelton Henderson, a four-star guy out of Florida. Uh, unless somebody comes along. I would go to the portal. There's a ton of receivers in the portal every year, uh, good ones. So I, I I wouldn't quite worry about it. Now, high school recruiting-wise, the guy you want to look out for is the 2024 kid, Mazio Bennett from Greenville. Um, so that's uh, that's the, the next big in-state target. Um, otherwise, I don't – you know, everybody's 
panicking about receiver recruiting, but uh, yeah, Carmelo Taylor was a weird situation. I mean, it was just kind of like, wow, here we go again. I felt bad for Justin step on that. Clint bought Mizzou tickets. Way to go, Clint. All right. Uh, Brandon talks about crystal ball picks. Uh, Clint goes, JC is hardy and interior guy for sure. Yeah, he's too big to play the edge. Uh, Brandon says, does DQ Smith count towards 2023? Huh. That's a good question because he didn't enroll till late. I think they are going to count him forward. But I don't think it matters now that they've got the new rule where you can sign as many. But, but I guess that's retroactive. I don't know. I, I don't know where he'll count. But if he counts towards 2023, it doesn't matter because you can sign as many as you want now. Clint says, the momentum is real now. Or as mean Gene Okerlund would say, it's so thick you could cut it like it with a knife. <laughs> That's right, mean Gene. <laughs> it's so hard for me <laughs> to share <laughs> with a guy out there hollering my name. <laughs> well, last year I spent more money on <laughs> spill liquor. You know, I'm just kidding. Uh, Craig says, JC, can you get DeMarco on the show? He explained better than anyone else the offensive line last year, and it wasn't just confusing. Confusion. Yes, if they will let him talk, uh, there's – it may be tricky. Uh, maybe. Uh, but I can I can work on that, definitely. I, I can definitely work on that. And he is – he's good at, at, at explaining things. Pat is because he played in the NFL 10 years. He knows. Uh Peel and Harbor will be on official visits to the Georgia game. That's an interesting guy to watch, too, guys. Chris Peel, four-star corner out of Charlotte. A lot of folks always head to Georgia. Georgia's kind of filling up. Uh, so I think Hale thinks Carolina's got a pretty good shot at Peel. I've never really felt that way, but I'm probably not following it as closely as I should. Uh, Daniel says, huge Xavier Hardy update. William says, I'd like to see Marcus Lattimore on the show. He's doing an exclusive kind of deal with another podcast. Uh, I don't know whether that's being a live show, if we could do that or not, uh, but certainly it'll happen. Brandon says the South Carolina take a quarterback in 2023. I doubt it. Um, and then Craig mentions Marcus on the podcast. Uh, Quantrell, I don't know if you saw, but CBS Sports tweeted out the SEC theme song with the Big Ten highlights. Going to be honest, made me kind of sad. The theme song is synonymous with the SEC. Quantrell, it is. Uh, I agree. But there was a time. There was a time some time ago. I'm kidding. I, I've sung two Oreo Speedwagon songs today. I told you I, I told you I was in the mood. Um, where CBS was not just the SEC. It was just all of college football. And they still had that theme song. Um, and they do the Sun Bowl every year. When they do that song, so and the Army Navy game, don't forget that. Yeah. But I, but I'm with you. I mean, it, it made me sad. I was like, uh, you know, it, it's kind of like when they change James Bonds to somebody that sucks <laughs> <laughs> from somebody that's good, and you're like accustomed right. to seeing this one guy do James Bond. Like, man, he's really good at that James Bond. I'm gonna go see every James Bond movie as long as he's in it. And then they changed it, and the guy's like, what the hell is this? It just doesn't feel like – or really Batmans. I think it's maybe like – Oh, you know, that might be a better analogy, yeah, is the Batman. <laughs> Batman's yeah. probably a little better because you go – Right. Like, we you got, go for – you got Michael Keaton, right? Solid. Strong to quite strong. 
Mm-hmm. And then Val Kilmer a little bit. And and that was like, okay. Again. And then you go to George Clooney and you're like, this is awful. Yeah, this is the equivalent of the Clooney Batman. This, this is awful. Yeah. Right? And then and then you bounce back with Christian Bale. You know? Yeah, they rebounded. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, then it's the guy from Twilight. So I don't Jesus. I miss so that one. It's kind of like that. You know, because, or, or even Star Wars. You know, I, I'm sorry. I didn't really care for Ray in the new Star Wars. Um, call me whatever you want to call me. I didn't like it. No problem with before everybody's like, oh, you're not woke, JC. You yeah, I was like going to say, you're strong un-woke. female characters. That's not true. I just don't like bad actors and actresses. I didn't like Anakin Skywalker. I think Hayden Christensen sucks. Oh, well, yeah, that, okay. yeah that's consensus. Yeah, yeah he, he's <laughs> yeah. terrible. And yeah, I, yeah. I, I didn't really like Ray as a character, nor the actress that played her. You know, and, and 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 so I hear the Star Wars theme. I'm all fired up for the movie, all that good stuff. And then, uh, what is this? Oh, <laughs> it's like the Jim Gaffigan when he eats McDonald's. He's like, oh, I've had a terrible mistake. Yeah, a terrible mistake. Yeah, it, 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 it's, I think it's like that. You hear Star Wars theme, and then it's like, where's Han Solo? And then you killed Han Solo, for <laughs> God's sake. <laughs> Who are you? What are you <laughs> yeah, doing? How could you do this? <laughs> how could you do this to me? Uh, anyway, enough on that. Uh, Austin goes, Warstatter is great, but good luck drinking 10 of them. <laughs> Probably why I steer clear. Yep. <laughs> JC, any chances on moving back to the South? It's going to happen. Just uh, just wait. The kids got to get out of high school. I, I can't. Uh, and, and I'm down there enough, right? <laughs> but I... Uh, I, uh, yeah, we talk about it all the time. Illinois is a terrible state to live in, by the way. I'll tell anybody that. I like the people better than I thought I would. Like the, the old beef sandwich eaters, you know, mm. yeah, beef sandwich, bears, you know, they're just as miserable as we all ever as anybody else living here, you know, and they're all jealous, you know. It's like they fall out of an escape hatch, you know. <laughs> I'm going to, where I go to, I'm going to move to South Carolina. <laughs> I'm moving to Florida, 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 Florida. They're gone. And he's gone. <laughs> and he's gone. Yeah, lost another one there. Yeah, beef sandwich. Uh, Panthers name Baker Mayfield, Mayfield, the starting quarterback. He's terrible. <laughs> Mimi says JC's wearing Kentucky blue. This is actually a Donald Duck shirt. Says I have, <laughs> mad, I have mad skills. <laughs> so uh, it's like Bob Knight used to say. Uh, I, w- I would have worn a Mickey Mouse shirt, but that would be an insult to Mickey Mouse. Um, what are our chances for Aiden Williams or Tyler Williams? Brandon, I dude, can't mean. We're not getting any either one of those guys. No. Uh, do you see Beamer chirping back at Stoops? I think I think Shane will be very uh all right. October 8th in Lexington. After the game, if the scoreboard reads Gamecocks, you just wait. Right. Yeah. I, Shane Beamer will talk uh, about culture mm-hmm. after after the game. I mean, I, yeah. I I will guarantee you there will be a comment about culture after that game. I, I would bet money on the shades making an appearance as well. Yeah, <laughs> Matt, I, I would too. Matt yeah. says jump just jumped on. Been too busy pressing F five over the big spur. My workday is shot. Yeah, yeah. Got a big announcement tonight. Big announcement. Marion points out last week in the podcast, believe. Yeah, that could be a competition thing. I, I don't want to, I would never want to disrupt Marcus's thing, uh, especially, I think they're probably paying him. So, 
the chance Beamer wears the sunglasses to midfield in Lexington for the pregame handshake with students. Not pregame, maybe postgame. Uh, and then Shane is measured in everything he says and does. That's true. So uh, all that good stuff. All that good stuff. Uh, good stuff over on the Big Spur Recruiting. Don't forget tonight, 630, the YouTube channel of 24-7 Sports, youtube.com slash 24-7 Sports. Uh, just bounce Mosey on over there, if you will, Mosey. Um, and you have to excuse me today, guys. I really felt like dog butt the first few, few days this week. And I hope I don't have a relapse. But chances are I probably will. That's why we have two guests tomorrow. But um, <laughs> just in case. Yeah, just, just in case. case. No, but uh, I felt like all this. But I've, but I've got a bunch of energy today. So forgive me if I get off the thing and uh, all that good stuff. It looks like we're being infiltrated here on the, the Nana's Porch chat box by some adult dating sites. That's all. Awesome. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Rick comes in. Is there room for Elijah Davis if we get the others on the D line who are about to commit? Yes. I mm -hmm. expect them to take Elijah no matter what. I don't know if the Xavier Hardy thing has anything to do with Elijah Davis. I do want to check on that, though. I would hope not because I don't – you know, you're sitting there and everybody's going to be fired up about McLeod and everybody's going to be fired up about Hardy because it makes the team ranking on, on recruiting going up. And quite frankly, I'm happy about that because of you guys because I understand that it's kind of a – it's hard for you guys to go talk to other fans uh, as knowledgeable as, as anybody that listens to this show or gets on the Big Spur is, and I do think you're all very knowledgeable – to sit there and explain, hey, this high three-star guy we got's better than the low four-star guy you got because of this, this, and this. That fa the other fa fans of the the blue and we're like, yeah, well, whatever. We got four stars, man. <laughs> or or if, if they're not from the south, and yeah, yeah, whatever. We got four stars, man. Go Irish, beef sandwich. <laughs> um, and Clint says you absolutely take Davis and Hardy, and I agree. Inside mm -hmm. the game at gmail.com is the way to get into. The uh, I help consulting mailbag also tweets you at the Big Spur Pod. Uh, and by the way, if you mentioned if you missed Flint earlier, uh, as soon as the show's over, it's always um, archived on YouTube. And then within the hour, I have another show I have to go on the Spurs Up show 15 minutes after we get off here. Uh, but then shortly after that, once I get the file, we'll have it up in podcast form uh, ASAP. Um, <laughs> And so you can always go back and catch it. Uh, so you can tweet that at the Big Spur Pod. You can uh, email inside the game at gmail.com. Today's poll 79% still have the over. Uh, congrats to Justin from Chapin for winning this month's gift drawing on Carolina Rise. Wanted to say that. Please go consider joining Carolina Rise, carolinarise.com. Uh, and so we're going to look at uh, what we're going to do here. Where are the notifications for Inside the Game? The show. I don't see it. We had a whole Twitter spiel going on, Phil, and it got pushed down, and I hate that. I know. That bothers me, too. Yeah, it makes me sad. Okay, here we go. Uh, all right. So this guy earlier today um, talking about the uh, – he was talking to me about the uh, – oh, what it is. Uh, what was it? The uh, the, uh, the the morning monologue where I was talking about um, oh about Georgia you State know, about Georgia State and, mm -hmm. and I just said beware be concerned and he's like you got me depressed. Look, I want to be honest. South Carolina should win that game. I, I just I think some people look at Georgia State like uh, like you know not a very good you know not even like a, like apps. If there were App State coming in, 
everybody would be scared to death, you know, or at least concerned and fired up and on your toes. Uh, or East Carolina. Yeah, they're they're not Elon. You know, you know, it was, it's not, not, you know, this is, I'm trying to just stress, this is a very good G5 football team. This is an experienced, well-coached football team. They could overlook. (laughs) They could win the Sun Belt. They could win the Sun Belt this year. They could beat North Carolina in week two if the Tar Heels uh, struggle like I think they are on offense this year. They could, uh, they could uh, actually very much so struggle. uh, I I think uh, in that game, and they could, they could win that one. It's at home. Probably at that point, the biggest uh, home game I say in in in, uh, in Georgia State history, uh, biggest game at Turner Field since the '95 series, I guess. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know at all. But uh, you know, so that's happening there. But the guy was uh, he was a little. He was like, oh, you, you depressed me, man. I'm like, oh, I wasn't trying to depress you. I just, uh, um, it was just. Uh, just being honest, people have to get ready, and it's in two weeks. Uh, and it was Ken the Quad. He said, man, your morning monologue bummed me out. I know you're trying to manage expectations. I feel like we always have one of these tough non-conference games on the schedule. If we do lose that game, the whiner line will be epic. That's why we're not uh, doing a um, whiner line. Shout out to Shelly, who I know is uh, in at the beach down in Dirty Myrtle right now, moving her very talented son in to college. Shelly's been doing well. Your dog's doing fine. Shelly's Shelley. been, and she just followed us on Twitter. Shelly's been, I've known Shelly longer than you, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, went to elementary school together. So shout out to Shelly Shell. Uh, very happy for your son and all the success he's having. Gamecock Pastor says, um, and he's a prolific tweeter. Was that a cookout last weekend with some buddies who pulled for other schools? Uh, and he says, uh, and it was me, and I was talking about the Gamecocks. And then, although I'm relatively realistic throughout the year, this is the time when I start to put on my garnet glasses and see things overly optimistically. So that leads me to the question, what criteria do you use to form your actual expectations for each season? We all want to be successful, but for me, too much optimism as we approach week one often leads to more disappointments through the season. Uh, And you make a good point there. And, and, you know, that's not why I said what I said about Georgia State. I think Georgia State's a good team. And, And I'll tell you, I mentioned this on the monologue today, Phil. They remind me somewhat, and also that that team was coached by a former Gamecock assistant, of those Louisiana Lafayette teams that Ricky Bustle brought in. Mm-hmm. They gave the Gamecocks fits, both Lou Holtz and Steve Spur in 03 and 07. Same style of play and everything, really. Um, you struggle in that one. It doesn't mean much. Nobody remembers. Uh, if you lose it, I think it means a ton. It sets you back. Uh you, you struggle and win, a win's a win, you move on. I'll remind everybody the uh, 1984 Gamecocks beat the Citadel by seven to open the season. Uh, even though it was a nine-win Vandy team in 2012, that very good Carolina team struggled in Nashville, 117-13, still won. Um, remind everybody that uh, the Michigan team that lost to App State at home, lost to uh, the opener, then they lost uh, 39 to 7 to Oregon. And then they ended up beating uh, the Tim Tebow Heisman winning Florida Gators in the Citrus Bowl at the end of the year. Uh, that wasn't a bad minute. That ended up not being a bad team. Everybody remembers that. So the openers in college football are weird. I'm just saying 
it's not a game where you can just expect Carolina to roll out the ball and go line up and win. Yeah. Um, I just think that's uh, that's just kind of the deal there. Yeah, if it's um, tired or close in halftime, don't panic. <laughs> don't panic. Yeah, I mean, there, there's somebody that's uh, yeah, and some Kentucky fans got in on the um, <laughs> on the Stoops tweet. <laughs> um, and some Gamecock fan also, uh, his name's Jack, was like, "Eh, well, who cares? We're two and seven against them." Yeah, that wasn't the point. The point yeah. was, the point was, okay. Uh, don't don't sit there and talk smack about a second year coach. Your coach was wrong for doing that, okay? Uh, because he ain't gonna be seven and two against South Carolina forever. He ain't gonna have this kind of success against South Carolina. Forever. And if you want to compare programs, why does South Carolina have more than twice as many wins over the programs that have always mattered in the SEC East as you did? And if your culture is so good, how in the Hades do you lose to the Butch Jones-led Tennessee Volunteers, the Jeremy Pruitt-led Tennessee Volunteers, and the Derek Dooley-led Tennessee Volunteers? How? If that culture is that good, how the hell do you lose to all those teams? And you're oh, and not to mention the daggum Jim McElwain led Florida Gators. Muschamp never lost to Kentucky while he was at Florida. The Zucker, I mean, I mean, I don't know. The Zucker's way back in time. Yeah, that but, might uh, be too far. Yeah. You know, you you beat Dan Mullen twice. Great. Great. You know, and then that's not and he had even touched Georgia. Hadn't even sniffed again, you know, lost, uh, lost some close ones. But look, man, uh, th- that's my point is, hey, let, yeah, look, Kentucky's owned the Gamecocks. They've had their number. Say what you will about that series. Let's not get into this whole Kentucky's this is dramatically superior program. Because I'm telling you, as someone that's followed the Gamecocks for a long time, you know, I think a lot of Gamecock fans, when the Gamecocks won six of nine against Tennessee, uh, and they're they're crowing because Will Will Muschamp's three and zero against the balls. You know they're struggling and changing coaches. And well, we've passed Tennessee. <laughs> okay, <laughs> the minute you say that, disaster strikes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so pride comes before the fall. You, you just got to be careful about shooting your mouth off. And I do guarantee you, Shane Beamer will have sunglasses on to talk about culture in Lexington uh, if they win that game on October eighth, which I. Pretty much feel like they will. All right, so we're out of time. We're all out of time. All right, so I'm going to say to who got in here, Chris. He said, uh, and I'll read this to end the show. It's going to be epic. JC, I feel bad saying Mark Stoops has a wrinkly face. It wasn't a great read on the situation. Similar to Will Levis throwing against a team not named Eastern Kentucky Dentistry School, or Chris Rodriguez behind the wheel of a car at two in the morning. Ooh. He's closer to what's left of those orange popsicles after they've been melting away in the Columbia heat for a few hours. By the way, how screwed are we if we lose one of the Jordans up front for significant time this year? Do we try moving one of the younger DTs to the outside? Does anyone project as a potential flex guy if called upon? Thanks. I'll be here all season or until Kentucky schedules somebody better than Toledo, which is the Everett Center. Um, well, Terrell Dawkins is still there. Tyreek Johnson's had a good camp. Solid. You know, is he ideal? Probably not. Dawkins is actually going to be really good. I'll also say that, uh, 
yeah, somebody that can move down. You can always kind of slide Brad Johnson over there in pass rushing situations. You can also use Bam Martin Scott there. Um, you know, and Gilbert Edmond, you know, and if one of the Jordans goes down, and Jordan Birch has been battling a little bit, uh, an injury, uh, you know, you just go from there. So that's uh, that's the deal with that. And that was very funny about Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, Mark Stewart stored a, stored a hornet's nest there. I, you know, why why are you needling the team you've owned? That'd be that'd be like that'd be like uh, Beamer throwing shade at Clark Lee at Vanderbilt. <laughs> right. <laughs> And then that, and that, that's yeah. Yeah, could you imagine Steve Spurrier talking to Mark Stoopsy? Shoot, Stoopsy, you're, you're seven and two against the Gamecocks. You're two and zero against me. <laughs> Why are you throwing shade at them? Shoot, that's like me throwing shade at Vandy. All right, we got to get out of here, Phil. Um, so for Phil Mullinax, Jason Sherbert, this has been Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Uh, you can catch me in 15 minutes on the Spurs Up show, Crow Line. You can also catch me later today, I think at 4.30 Eastern, on 104.9 FM in Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, I will be um, I'll be doing a little segment there about the Cox. Uh, also, uh, check out the um, uh, Xavier McLeod uh, announcement at 6.30 today. Uh, Rick Young says, what's up with the Chad Terrell status? We're trying to find that out, Rick. Trying to find that out pretty good. Uh, haven't heard anything about him after the good play in the spring game, but uh, stay tuned to the bigspur.com for that. We'll be talking about that tomorrow. Don't forget, we will have Meredith Taylor on tomorrow. We will also have Chris Phillips on tomorrow. Chris will be first, Meredith in the second hour. Always looking forward to our conversations with those two. For Phil Monax, it's JC Sherbert. This has been Inside the Gamecocks, the show. We will talk to you later.